0: Hi, everyone, and a very warm welcome to another edition of the VET Method podcast, where we bring team training concepts to independent veterinary practice owners who want to grow revenues through a high-performance team. My name is Sanjay Mangabai, and I'm really pleased to be joined today by Gordon Baird. Hi, Gordon. Welcome. Hello there, Sanjay. So whereabouts are you today, Gordon?
1: So I'm in, in Salisbury. Uh, it's a February day, pretty cool weather, so uh, staying nice and warm. <laughs> Good, not too far away from me, I believe. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> OK, so Gordon has worked as a pilot for 30 years, flying everything from rescue helicopters to holiday jets. He's now a training pilot for a major UK airline, airline, flying all over the world on the Boeing 787 Dreamliner He also spends a considerable amount of time training and examining pilots in the Full Motion Flight Simulator in London. So the title of the podcast is Lessons from Aviation on Improving Your Team. And we're going to talk about that for the next seven minutes. Okay, Gordon, our time starts now. So question number one, what's
1: the one thing you wish you had known at the beginning of your career? So when I started my career, I was a forthright and, and confident teenager. Mm-hmm. And I thought the role of a pilot would be, well, basically to look cool yeah. and, uh, and maybe to fly an aeroplane and drive it around the sky and, and have some fun. Uh, but I soon realized that uh, flying is uh, much more than just handling the aircraft. Yeah. It's, uh, it's all about different competencies and bringing them together. Uh, to make us a more rounded professional so of course uh, manual flying skills are important Uh but so are workload management skills decision-making skills communication skills situational awareness awareness of the automation of the aircraft Uh, but a really really important one is uh, leadership and teamwork skills And if, you, if you're if you interested and you want to see what all those really good skills look like together, mm-hmm. have a look at the film Sully, uh, which was all about the pilot who landed his stricken jet on the Hudson River in New York, mm. right about 2009-2010. And that's mm. a very good example of what a really good pilot is. And it's not just flying the aircraft but all those other competencies put together. Okay. So that's uh, one thing I wish I'd Appreciated uh, as a, a young teenage pilot. Ah, it's always good in hindsight.
0: So you know, it's not all about the glamour and exhilaration of flying planes. There's so much more to it. Apart from the right knowledge, the right skills, you need to have that kind of poise and calm that uh, Captain uh, Sully showed in the film. I believe it was, it, it was very close to the real thing.
1: Yes, it was a very, it's a very good film. Yeah, uh, it's a very good film, and it uh, it just demonstrates all these uh, competencies put together make that rounded pilot.
0: Okay, perfect. That leads us nicely on to question number two. How do you suggest people in
1: your field continue to learn to stay on top of things Gordon? Um, So, so aviation is is really an industry of constant change, and um, as human beings, we don't like change. We like routine. We like uh, we like the old-fashioned way of doing things Mm -hmm. but it's really important to actually embrace change uh, whatever line of work you're in Uh, because in aviation it's all about safety but of course in in medicine and and veterinary practice it's Mm. all about delivering the best quality patient care with new innovations which come in Better ways of working uh, and embodying that. So I really try and encourage people to embrace change. That's the the, the most important thing to do: embrace change uh, from within.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, especially in the you know in the current year that we've been through, there's been so many changes for so many people. Um, absolutely. In fact, change is the only certainty, you know. But like yes. aging and taxes, Gordon. That's right.
1: <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, so
0: question number three. Um, what is your biggest challenge
1: and how do you overcome it? Um, so I suppose at the, the, the moment my biggest challenge is that uh, we're now retraining uh, pilots uh, in my company mm-hmm. who have been flying the Boeing 747 Jumbo jet okay. Some of them for all of their career 30 odd years. They've never flown anything else mm-hmm. and so retraining them to fly uh, the new 21st century Boeing 787 Dreamliner. So that's, you know, the, these guys have got really good basic piloting skills, good knowledge, good experience. Uh, but it's actually a different game nowadays with this, this aircraft. Yeah. So many of those competencies, you know, leadership and teamwork and uh, those skills uh, kind of are transferable. But actually to try and, and the most important thing I've got to do, the biggest challenge is to, to see where these guys are, these guys and girls are mm-hmm. right now and, and take them forward. So fundamentally respecting their experience, you know, That's taking good. a step back, seeing what they know, seeing uh, what experience they have and then pinpointing absolutely where perhaps their knowledge is a bit lacking or where best I can support them. And then absolutely laser guiding my training to help them. So it's targeted training. That's the most important thing. Uh, and that's the biggest challenge I'm dealing with at the moment. Wow. And that's a challenge, Gordon, that we also see in the, in the veterinary
0: industry where people often take um, career breaks, for example, to have children. They mm-hmm. return a few years later. Things have moved on. New drugs, certainly, for example. Yes. Uh, new ways of doing things, you know. Mm -hmm. um with medical knowledge doubling every two years or so um knowledge and skills often have to be updated you know yes and having a solid foundation like you mentioned so those pilots they know how to fly boeing 747s and i would imagine you know they sometimes think that they know how to do things and then they jump into a new plane and it's totally well maybe not totally but somewhat different but having a solid foundation
1: in the first place i guess is quite important Absolutely. Those those competencies of uh, good workload management and team skills and then the technical knowledge uh, and then the new how-to, the new methods of working come yeah. on top of that. But fundamentally respecting their, their pro- past experience is very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you don't target your training to what they don't know, then you lose people. They get bored. They're not interested in being taught what they already know. So yeah. it, the, the big challenge is absolutely... Uh, finding what, uh, how best I can train them and what needs to be done. Okay, thanks for that. Question four, if you
0: Mm -hmm. could change one thing in the world of learning or training, what would it be?
1: Um, I I feel that um, outside of aviation, there's still very much a blame culture, Mm. uh, Mm. whereby if something goes wrong, the first thing people do is try and find out who's to blame. And that can be very, very negative um, because people tend to put up a brick wall and not be open to learning from their mistakes. Mm-hmm. So for the past 40 odd years, the aviation industry has adopted a no blame culture. So if something were to go wrong on a flight, the crew will report it uh, with a view not to, to be, they know they're not going to be penalised. So it's done, they report it with a view to improving safety so that they can learn from their mistakes and also others can learn from their mistakes. So uh, we have a mandatory uh, reporting um, system and all accidents are investigated uh, uh, by an independent body and those uh, accident reports are available for anybody to read. Uh, So I I think that um, if the world of training could bring together this this no-blame culture and try and learn from mistakes of other people. I think that would be a great step forward. And actually within aviation, we're still learning and we're still going trying to, try to, to uh, encourage people to open up and, uh, and learn from mistakes.
0: Wow. That's gotta be one of the few professions that has adopted that kind of stance. Um, in the Vietnam profession, you know, um, we feel that um, it may be an, an important contributor to anxiety and stress because of the fear of recriminations. You know, yes. And just like you said, it often leads to people covering up mistakes. So basically, we can't learn from them. You know, these kind of near misses, I guess, in aviation. We do have many near misses in in the medical field. But, yes. you know, they're covered up and, and you don't get to know about them. It also yes. leads to people not wanting to go out of their comfort zone. So they won't try things because they're worried about making a mistake. Yes. So that stunts growth. And it stops, it stops um, sort of um, progression in their career. So that's a really good thing. You know, if, if that could somehow deviate, maybe it's happening in the in the medical field, in the human field, but certainly in the veterinary field, um, you know, it's still pretty pretty rudimentary um, as far as this blame culture goes.
1: Yes. Something it's very language. negative The blame culture, it's it's very negative indeed. And as human beings, we don't like to make mistakes, yeah. um, but uh, we have a very open culture. Uh, for instance, at the start of every flight we have a briefing, mm-hmm. and usually the pilot flying will lead the briefing, normally they say, I may make a mistake, and if I do, it's not intentional, please bring me up, you know, yeah. uh, everything should be absolutely standard, and if it's not, uh, we'll have a discussion about it.
0: Brilliant. Right. Thank you. So question number five. What have you read or listened to recently that inspired you?
1: Um, I read uh, or actually listened to uh, the audiobook uh, Black Box Thinking by Matthew Syed, uh, which goes into uh, uh, how the world at large could possibly learn from airlines uh, and their uh the way they deal with accidents and incidents so it really leads on from my, my last point about learning from mistakes yeah and uh, black box thinking is a way of, of of thinking about how to improve from learning from your own mistakes Absolutely. and it has encouraged me again to examine uh, my own mistakes and and look for just getting marginal gains a little little marginal gains in my own operation that make myself a little bit safer or a little bit more efficient or a little bit better. Uh, and uh, we call it in the airline industry, crew resource management,
0: okay.
1: uh, a CRM. And that culture pervades in all the airlines, all very good airlines nowadays is crew resource management. Not just how uh, we interact with one another on the flight deck. Yeah. but also how you interact with your cabin crew, how you interact with passengers, air traffic control and yeah. external agencies to get the safest, most optimal uh, outcome for the flight. Wow. So that's black box thinking. And that uh, he, Matthew Syed talks about how to bring that into your daily life, learning from mistakes and and make, getting a little bit better.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great book. I came across that a few years ago and I you're bringing back all the memories. Um, in practice and in business it's about you know you made a point about uh, marginal gains and it is about those small improvements made consistently people try and go after these big things sometimes and it seems intimidating and maybe even unachievable but if you're talking about marginal one two percent gains in multiple areas then you can see how that adds up and uh, and eventually leads to uh, much higher gains than just the simple maths of it so, and, and, yeah. and
1: the other thing to, to remember, I mean, I know that uh, uh, many veterinary practices are, 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 are businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of these marginal gains, actually, they cost nothing. Yeah, they cost yeah. nothing. Uh, for instance, the Sky uh, Cycle Team led by Sir David Brailsford. Yeah. One of their things that they did, they brought in a marginal gain was uh, they instructed all the, uh, the riders to wash their hands. Um, wow. Absolutely, religiously wash their hands. Yeah, and because they did that, they didn't get sick so often. And because they didn't get sick so often, they were able to train better, and they yeah. got a little bit better. And that simple piece of advice made the team healthier, uh, yeah. but it also made them win. <laughs> <laughs> the small
0: things, things you wouldn't normally think about, if you don't put your mind to it. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. You, we could all learn from that. Just refining your skills over time—it never stops. That's it. Great. So, question number six. We're almost done, Gordon. If there's one piece of advice or message
1: that you could give training leaders, what would it be? Uh, well, I suppose we've all sat through um, uh, boring meetings and boring presentations, <laughs> <and posters, laughs> of which this, I hope, is not one. Uh, but we've always sat through it, and the, the person speaking, you've been thinking, "Well, oh, I know that. I know why is he telling me that?" And everybody's, oh, "I know this. This is weird. so." My real piece of advice is for training leaders is focus on what the trainees need. Focus, exactly. So work out what the trainees need. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's important because the most important thing is that you will engage the trainee. Mm -hmm. Uh, They will realise where their knowledge isn't so high and you can deliver your training exactly uh, where it's required. It will take time to... Uh, elicit that information from them uh, mm-hmm. by asking various questions. So, But before you launch into any training program,
0: mm-hmm.
1: work out exactly what they need. And it, it also has a benefit for the trainer leading, the training leaders as well, mm-hmm. in that if you uh, laser guide your training to where the trainee needs it, you're not wasting resources where it's not needed and not wanted. So you get an engaged uh, trainee with better results at a lower cost. So that's what I would suggest.
0: Yeah, it seems to make perfect sense when you say it like that. So, um, so not everything is equally important. You know, targeted, uh, targeted efforts need to focus on those things that, um, that really matter. You know, yes. the things you want the, the trainees, if you like, to take away. Um, and like you said, in that way, you save time, you save finances. And I would imagine if you focus on a few things, you can get really good at them. You can get mastery in those targeted skills or that targeted knowledge that, um, um, that you're training. Yeah. Yes. Brilliant, good. Lastly, question number seven,
1: what should I have asked you, Gordon, that I didn't? No, that's a, that's a really <laughs> difficult question. Um, I, I suppose maybe you, you could have asked uh, what inspired me to become a training pilot. Okay. uh what drove me uh, and i suppose there's there's a couple of reasons there's a, a reason for for my organization for my airline which is i want to raise the standard and raise skills but also there's a personal reason and, and that's for me to to learn myself yeah. and um, i'm very i learn from other people. Mm -hmm. And I'm a real magpie, and you know magpies are the thieving magpie, (laughs) and I will always steal good ideas from other people, Mm -hmm. and being in the flight simulator behind a high performing uh, good crew, coming up with great ideas, I will steal those ideas and bring them into my own operation. So that makes me a little bit better. So it's wanting to raise the standards, but also wanting to raise my own standards and get a little bit better myself
0: yeah well you know something we should teach our kids that you're always learning you know it kind of never stops Um, you know Gordon you've done a lot in your career and it's nice to have that sense of a higher purpose that you have you know you're paying it forward in helping you know raise uh, safety standards in the airlines but also helping those people you know those trainees that are finding it uh, more difficult and helping them navigate that path to success and fulfillment at the end of the day um, with the careers. Wow, Gordon, that was really, really interesting. Really good listening to you. You know, as travelers, um, we tend to judge how good the pilot is by how well the airline treats us. Mm-hmm. So uh, so for me, hearing what you've just said, it's, re- it's really reassuring to know that our trust is not misplaced, um, that all this training <laughs> in the flight simulators and such is actually happening behind the scenes. Um, yeah, some really interesting, some really relevant insights into into training that I'm sure our listeners will find incredibly valuable. Thank you so much, Gordon. Really You're appreciate it. You're very
1: welcome. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Bye.